Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton, who joins us on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline, and he is part of that SEC podcast. And Mike, as always, we appreciate you joining us, man. How's everything going this afternoon? Oh, doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, just looking over some point spreads here for opening weekend. So that, that's when you know the season's right around the corner. Oh, yeah. So uh, what what uh, what are you looking at for uh, for Arkansas and uh, some of the other games? What, what are we looking at here? Well, unfortunately, in the SEC, we don't have a lot of competitive games. <laughs> I'm seeing some, some 40-point spreads, some 38. But uh, Florida at Utah, Utah favored by eight. That's pretty interesting. North Carolina, South Carolina. North Carolina favored by three. That's one. And then the big one on uh, Sunday, I believe, LSU, Florida State. LSU's favored by two right now in Orlando. Oh. Uh, so we got a couple good games to, to keep an eye on. What do you think about that North Carolina-South Carolina game? Because that's something that it seems like they should play that game a little more often. Yeah, they. that's one where they played, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think it was, I don't think it was the last year of Will Muschamp, but it may have been. But, I mean, he lost that to North Carolina, and they were basically done with him. Uh, I know Shane Beamer beat him a couple years ago in the bowl game. That was that was his first bowl win. But uh, it, that's a big one. Drake, Drake May, I believe, is the North Carolina guy, quarterback's name. He's a top prospect, Spencer Rattler. Uh, I, I believe they've already announced college game day is going to be there. So, that's a fun game, but the fact that uh, college game days will be there, I, I think that kind of gives you an indication that we don't have a lot of huge games week one. They're, it's more week two is when the season really gets kicked in a high gear. So why is that, Mike? Because every single year it seemed like there was a, an opening game with it's like Bama, USC, and Dallas, or uh, you know Georgia, Clemson, and Atlanta. Every year it seemed like there was always at least one, possibly two, in some cases three huge games, but this year – why Why is there not really the same draw that you've had in previous years for big games in the first week? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if that's because, you know, ESPN also, they, they tend to pick games that are ABC, so you, you almost kind of leave off the Fox games and all the Big Ten games and all that. But uh, like I said, I mean, a lot of the, the, the games, and the marquee one is that LSU-Florida State, but because it's a Sunday, you know, that would just, they're not going to get people to show up at a neutral site a day early to, to hype up a college game day. Uh, we're just really lacking right out the gate. And maybe a part of that, John, is, is they're getting away from these neutral site games, thankfully. I mean, there's, there's a handful left, but there for a couple of years. I mean, that, that's what week one was. I, I'm glad they're getting away from all that. But week two, man, there's some big-time games. And, and the one, of course – most have circled is uh, Texas at Alabama, but another interesting one is A&M at Miami because the, the rails could come off early for them Aggies if they lose to Miami. Also, Mike, as you mentioned, you know, there's a big game on Sunday. That opening week, they want to have games lined up from Wednesday through Monday going into to, uh, Labor Day weekend. So they do have to spread it out more in a sense than having some of those big games on Saturday only. They want to have it throughout the week. Yeah, I mean, they're going to take advantage of the NFL not being on just yet. So it makes sense from a 
from that perspective. But uh, I know they got to hate these Monday night games <laughs> if you're if you're a player. Uh, Clemson is playing on Monday, believe it or not, against Duke. I'm sure they got a cupcake the next week, though, to uh, kind of combat the lack of rest there. And TCU Colorado, they play that first week, but like you mentioned, that's a Fox game, so they're not going to pay attention to that one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of all weird politics of ESPN and all that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just scrolling here. There's just, I mean, nationally televised on ABC week one. Boise State against Washington. I mean, I think Washington is supposed to be pretty good, but who cares about that game? That <laughs> that gives you an indication of what we're looking at here week one for some reason, which probably means we're going to get some wild upsets. Whenever we think college football is going to be dull, uh, that's usually when it's the most exciting. Uh, let's hope that's the case, Mike. And I know that after your SEC Media Days uh, experience and uh, you actually just put out and tweeted out uh, your official and full breakdown of Arkansas fall camp preview, record predictions, and everything. And uh, you guys did, of course, a great job on that SEC podcast of, of putting it all together. We've talked to you about Arkansas, but just out, outside of media days, was there anything that has changed your mind or has maybe made you adjust some things as far as what you think about Arkansas just from what media days happened? Or is it just that didn't it didn't do anything for you? You're still feeling the same way that you did a few weeks ago. No, I mean, honestly, I, so I, I'm right there with the official ballot. I got Arkansas fifth in the West, but I kind of come out of there thinking maybe I'm a little too low on Arkansas. I mean, I, I certainly think they could be better than Ole Miss, even though that's not where I ranked them on my official poll. I kind of wish I, I had a redo there. Uh, but, again, I mean, the fact that A&M and Jimbo, he cannot for the life of him say that Bobby Petrino is going to be calling the plays when I've talked to people that said without a shadow of, the, of a doubt, Bobby Petrino is going to be calling the plays. Why Jimbo cannot get himself to say that? I mean, I don't think that's a huge deal right now, but it just goes to show, uh, you know, that the his ego is or something is hurting there that he can't just openly say that. So that I, I think that could be trouble. Again, I, I look at that early game against Miami. They're going to be favored on the road. They should beat Miami, but Texas A&M should win a lot of games they don't. Uh, things could go sideways quickly for the Aggies, and if they do, Arkansas is going to be a prime team to jump them in the standing. So, heck, I mean, Arkansas could be a top three SEC West team when it's all said and done. Would Arkansas be the team that you would say would be a surprise team then as far as in the SEC that could finish better than expected? Yeah, without a doubt, Joe, because I think they've got the best quarterback in the SEC, maybe the best running back in the SEC, and maybe the best one-two duo in the backfield there in the country uh, uh, to go along with an incredibly loaded running back room. And just seems like Sam Pittman so fired up with his coaching staff this year, and, and that's not – trying to be disrespectful to the coaches they had because I had a ton of respect for Barry Odom and Kendall Browse. I think they did an overall an outstanding job. But, uh, you know, he seems pretty positive about the direction of where things are going with the changes. And sometimes you just need a change, uh, particularly with the way things were going on the defensive side of the ball. Again, that's no disrespect to Barry Odom. But uh, I think change will be good for the, for the Arkansas defense. And – I would not be surprised. I think they like it. 
that people are underrating him as opposed to kind of, I may have been overblowing him this time last year. Hmm. We're speaking with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here on the Jones and Son Diamond and Brattle Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Mike, we're just looking at Arkansas since Sam Pittman's arrived. This is his fourth season. Uh, there's been some mainstays. There's been some guys that have been around for the most part. But just looking at the overall roster, how do you feel like this one ranks compared to his other rosters that he's had in previous years? It may not have the Traylon Burks. It may not have the, the Drew Sanders. But just the, in general, the depth, the, the talent, everything, where would you say this ranks or compares to his previous rosters in the previous three years? Yeah, I think it's fair to say at or near the very top because uh, I've said it, I believe, on this show. I've, I've said it many other places. I mean, Lane Kiffin gets billed as the poodle king, and more power to him for adding 30 transfers every offseason. But I don't think it's, what's important is the number. I think what's important is you taking guys, developing them, and getting them to the NFL. And Sam Pittman and company have done that better than anybody in the transfer portal. And you just look at what they continue to do in the portal to help that receiver, to help a tight end, to help all across that defense. Um, you know, a lot of people thought when we were getting this portal that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State and all the teams at the top were just going to pick apart everybody's roster. But I think it's been more the teams that are in the power leagues, like the SEC, like the Big Ten, but specifically the SEC, teams trying to close that gap they have been able to capitalize on it, add a ton of talent, add experienced, high-productive players across college football. And Arkansas seemingly has done that at uh, every level on their defense. So, yeah, I, I think this roster is right up there with, with all of them that Sam Pittman's had. Arkansas' strength, of course, is quarterback, running back. When you look at this Razorback football team, what would be the biggest concern? Probably secondary, because that was such a and, – and saying that, Joe, I mean, they've got some standout corners. So it is not saying they don't have high-level uh, players there, but safety specifically is an issue. I think receiver, again, I don't know if that we can call that a, a issue, but I think that's a question mark. And this staff, that's a, something that they've proven that they can – bring in these transfers and be highly productive. They had two come into the program last year, and they finished top ten in the SEC in receiving yards. We'll see if they can manage that kind of high-level production once again. But a lot of unknowns at receiver. And I think Arkansas, with KJ, with Rocket and company, they're going to have to outscore people. So people are going to stack the box. They're going to make KJ beat him with his arm, which we know he can do. But it's more of a question of, which of these receivers will step up, uh, that, that's a, probably a big question mark, too, for me. So, Mike, also, I know that we've talked about KJ and Rocket Sanders and, and these guys, but is there a player that maybe is a newcomer on Arkansas or maybe is a guy from last year that didn't play much that you look at could be a breakout player for Arkansas, a guy that you're really going to be watching? Yeah, and I'm, I think it's kind of easy coming off media days. Uh, and it's Landon Jackson, just seeing him in person and – hearing what he did in the spring and it started to come on late last season, but he seems like a potential game wrecker, and they're going to need him to be that, uh, particularly if the secondary is, uh, again, if it remains a question mark, best way to solve that is not lock down corners. It's getting to the quarterback. I think Landon Jackson is an obvious one to, to be a breakout candidate for the Razorbacks. 
Arkansas has had some issues with Missouri, and that's the last game of the season. But when you look at Arkansas' schedule, what's the game that you have circled to say they really need to take care of business in this game? Yeah, well, I don't want to steal Josh because he's been he's the one that turned me on to Texas A and M. How crucial, critical that is for the season. So I, I won't go there, even though that's that's probably the correct answer. Uh, I mean, two in my mind at LSU. Because LSU may be overhyped. They may, you know, I don't want to uh, forecast injuries on anybody, but if they suffer an injury or two at, at critical positions, they could be thin, even though I think they'll be really good. But I think the one is at Florida. Because you've you got two weeks to prepare. I think Florida's going to be awful this year. But I could be, you know, <laughs> year two bump. If you're a good coach, Billy Napier will have that team much improved if he's good I, i'm not sold on that but i think that's one where you know that's a, that's a true toss-up game now if it was in razorback stadium i i would lean heavily towards arkansas but it's in the swamp it is late in the year it's after they catch georgia so they're probably going to catch a beating it sets up really well for arkansas to go to florida and win but if they can't beat the florida gators uh it, it could be a it could be a rough season for the razorbacks because it I think if they can't beat Florida, I don't know if they can beat Auburn, Missouri, Mississippi State, because I think Florida's going to be worse than all those teams. Okay, expand upon that a, a bit, Mike. Uh, that you, how you know what is it that you see with Florida that makes you think they're going to be that bad, and also with LSU that they may not be as good as advertised. Well, how much time you got? Because Florida, <laughs> <laughs> they got problems all over the the, the roster. I mean, Billy Napier. You know, what some of these coaches do, like Ryan Kelly last year, which, you know, I, more power to him, it, it worked. But basically it's a mass exodus when a lot of these coaches come. And Billy Napier kind of did it backwards. He's, he he went to war with these guys, and about a quarter of them basically went on it. So it, now, a year into the program, he had 30, 35 guys leave the program. I, I think that's almost a year too late. They were ground and pound last year. Uh, they lose four or five on the offensive line. That's the, the identity of what he wants to be as a running football team. Can you do that with one returning starter on the offensive line? We saw what this offense was without Anthony Richardson against Oregon State in the bowl game. They Florida's got this incredible streak of like 900 games where they scored. They had to kick a field goal as basically as time expired to score against Oregon State, they were down 30 points. They kicked a field goal to keep that worthless streak going. Uh, they just got problems all over the roster. They don't have any good receivers, at least all SEC caliber. Uh, the defense was maybe the worst in Florida history, and they just hired a 29-year-old defensive coordinator that's, you know, he was so-so at, at Southern Miss. Uh, they're lacking depth. They're lacking talent. So I, I think Florida, I've got them voted sixth in the East. I, they got, And I think they got the worst starting quarterback in the SEC. Let's throw that into the mix, too. Uh, there are a lot of problems with the Florida Gators. Uh, now, LSU, when it comes to they got some elite talent across the board, but specifically on defense, if, God forbid, something happens to Harold Perkins, they don't have another. I mean, he's a game record. Mason Smith, potential All-American on the defensive line, he got hurt the first series against Florida State. He didn't play again. So he's coming off the injury. Uh, they just 
They've got high-end talent, Makai Wingo, next to him on the defensive line. They just added a linebacker who was all Pac-12 and Omar Spade. Uh, but they're, they're kind of like Arkansas to where they've, they've essentially had to bring in an entire new secondary via the transfer portal, and they're hoping those guys mesh. But what if they don't? What if they don't fit the scheme? What if they don't fit the culture? And one of those guys got thrown off of A&M's team for allegedly using drugs in the locker room before a game. So um, character is potentially an issue, too, for LSU. How do they handle expectations? They came out of nowhere last year, and they, they exceeded expectations. Can, can Brian Kelly handle adversity? Can he handle expectations in the SEC? That is yet to be seen. Well, Mike, I know we've talked a lot of SEC, but uh, we just got a couple minutes with you. I, I just wanted your thoughts on the current situation with uh, expansion, especially with the Pac-12. Uh, everyone's abandoning ship. It certainly seems like they're just like floating away and kind of delaying the inevitable that it's a conference that may be in serious trouble. Just how do you see the next few weeks maybe playing out? Uh, will there be other teams jumping ship? And uh, do you think that the Pac-12 will inevitably uh, close down and everybody will disband? Well, John, I... I'll put it this way. I heard someone say, can SMU save the Pac-12? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. They would have said that uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> if that's where they're at, they're already dead in the water. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what uh, Arizona and Arizona State do because I think they're, that's kind of a package deal. They make a ton of sense uh, in the Big 12 with Colorado going. I mean, Colorado should have just never went to the – for the Pac-12. I mean, that was kind of dumb. Uh, but I'm really, I, my focus would be on the, the Arizona schools and what happens with Oregon and Washington because I think those are, are two schools that uh, would seemingly be very attractive. But also, I don't know if the TV money is there. And I think even the SEC found that where, you know, I think there's more factors than that. But you would think with Texas and Oklahoma and a nine-game schedule, potentially on the docket here, they would be able to get more money for the television contract, and they were unable to do it. So I think a lot of these television networks may be at a at a breaking point right now. So that that may curb some of this, but we'll see. They're starting to have to look at alternatives like going to streaming services. Hmm. That is uh, where everybody seems to be sending their focus now outside of some of these big net- networks. Yeah, they may be watching uh, my show, that SEC podcast, and, to, and on YouTube like everybody else watching the Pac-12 <laughs> network. Uh, I don't know how much uh, life it's got left. That's for sure. Yeah, that's it. Flow Sports is always everybody's favorite thing. Maybe they can get a contract with they them. They show all sports. They, they do. do have that going. They do. So they'll just add the Pac-12 and make that uh, keep going too. Who knows? But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Mike, as always, dude, appreciate you joining us. Uh, enjoy the summer, and hopefully you stay cool out there. It's hot here in Arkansas. I'm sure it's hot over there where you're at. But as always, we appreciate you joining us, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for having me, guys.